0: It's time, time, once again, for another thrilling episode of, of Mark Out Radio. Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned, though. Smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. Thank you. Thank you. All right, stop it. Sit down. Stop. Stop. Of course I'm not doing it live. Fuck off. What are we doing today? What are we doing? Oh, yes. WCW Monday Nitro. Holy shit. It's getting better. (laughs) Marginally. We're getting there. We're about to cross over the hump. Boom, we're going to have to go through, um, well, we're going to have to go through an awful lot of. Halloween Havoc promos. It's not even the go home week yet. We're just we're just gonna have to go through a bunch of promos. Um, yeah, it should be <laughs> it should be interesting. All right, episode seven, October 16, ninety five, Albany Civic Center, Albany, Georgia. They're back in their stomping grounds, talking an awful lot about the Braves' run for the uh, for their own title, and uh, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, I, I don't mind the Braves. Not one of my favorite teams, but I do love baseball, so it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Hosts tonight, Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain, and Steve, Mongo, McMichael. Um, the wide shots of this venue need to stop. It makes it look like an indie show. There is a gigantic gap between the stadium seating, like the rink seating, and then the floor seating, where they've got lights going down in there that all say Monday Nitro, but the problem is that it still looks, even even though the lights are there, filling the space with something, it still looks like a shit um, house show. We have no idea how many people are actually there because, of course, um, you can find a lot of things, but you can't always find... Everything, even though they're a publicly traded company, even though all those other things uh, are going on, you 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 do start, struggle sometimes to do that. Now, the Albany Civic Center can hold for things like Disney on Ice or basketball six thousand five hundred and seventy people, or for ba- Disney on Ice for basketball eight thousand four hundred and thirty six. So let's just let's be really let's say. I don't know. Let's say seventy five hundred people could conceivably fit in here. We have no idea how many tickets are sold, anyways. What's so, <laughs> irrelevant? Uh, some things get lost to the animals of time. All right, anyways. Uh, Mongo's got his fucking dog dressed up. Uh, the, it's from Planet Dogtron, apparently, which is super awesome. It's always good for an adult male who's over three hundred pounds to have a rat with him that he then puts over uh, on a weekly basis. And, and and what's most alarming is like you can see to Bobby Heenan's face that he's pained to have to share the stage with a fucking dog that looks like it's on its last leg. But he still plays along with it. Anyways, uh, we start with a recap of the Flair Sting promo from WCW Pro where Sting uh, will leave Flair for dead, 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 dead dead if he swerves him. Well, I know it's only 1995, but Flair has been the dirtiest player in the game since well before 95, so the face is telling the heel that he will kill him. That's right. Zero point zero. (sighs) Anyways, first match of the night, Johnny B. Bad defeats Diamond Dallas Page via DQ. Uh, DDP... Basically clobbers him from back from the back with the title belt. While the Diamond Doll looks on in shock. And probably a little bit moist. Anyways, WWE comes out with Kim Page, a.k.a. the Diamond Doll. And uh, DDP has started hitting the steroids at this point, preparing to lose his sun shirt, part of his ring gear. Uh, there's a recap of Bad missing their initial match due to Micropenis bodybuilder sidekick of DDP slashing his tires. Um... Johnny be bad still with the goddamn Frisbee gimmick, which, you know, isn't terrible for house shows, but on live TV, it's a little bit much. Um, this is the first time we've had the TV champ on Nitro in weeks. And what we get is a DQ before the bell even rings. And um, a DQ before the bell even rings, for those of you keeping score at home. Still, uh, any screen time with Kim Page is good enough for a point, And I'm going to award a point for the continuing feud that this is. Developing into where eventually, DDP is going to put up the diamond doll, and I'm not going to spoil that for you. That you can look that up if you need to. Anyways, uh, so of course DDP retains the title. Like I said, two out of five for that sucker. After this, got a Halloween Havoc monster truck promo. The man becomes the monster, then the monster becomes the man. <laughs> Jesus. What? Chris Benoit defeats Eddie Guerrero after that in 8 minutes, 36 seconds. I gave that one 2.5 out of 5. Uh, Benoit's ring gear, this is his in-ring return after being out of North American wrestling for the last two years. He's been wrestling in Japan. Um, his, his physique looks fantastic, but he had a serious case of knee from all the steroids he was on in Japan. Honestly, I think he looks better here than at any point in his WWE career. He's got actual definition to his physique. He doesn't look like he's been... Chiseled out of a piece of marble by somebody that's half blind and retarded. Um I understand that he's quote unquote only 220 pounds at 5'10 at this point, but like it it looks good, like it is. It did not need to go to the crazy place it went, and then allegedly the crazier place that it went. Anyways, the announced team puts over this match hard, and we're finally starting to see some longer matches on live TV with less filler bullshit. Uh, post-match Bischoff announces the creation of the cruiserweight division. So that's going to be something interesting that comes up. Um, I know that a lot of people will give Eric Bischoff shit, including me. I love it. It's kind of like a hobby, but, uh, the cruiserweight division is by far between that and the NWO. Uh, he made his, he made his knuckles, his bones. What the fuck do you even call that? He made a name worth actually having by having these two things actually happen under his watch. How much of this was allegedly his doing? I don't know. Because, of course, if Bischoff is good at anything that he learned from his buddy Hogan, it's putting himself over hard. In ring, Mean Gene puts over the hotline, which he was getting 75% of the income from, and most of the revelations he was discussing here were either so kayfabe that they never made it. they never made it actually to... They were never actually happening, or they were just full of shit. Sullivan and Giant come out afterwards for an in-ring promo with Gene. I'm going to summarize it for you, but you guys feel free to go to the network and watch it if you want to. Sullivan is evil. The entire point of this whole promo was to put over... Sullivan as the ultimate evil, even though he has a master, literally, who's going to be in a perch next week for the entirety of the goddamn show. Anyways, um, then the WCW also gets to do with this a complete redo of the Andre Jean spot where the Giant puts his hand over Dino Clarence's face. This is awesome because they get to essentially say fuck you to the WWF. But they're still not at war yet. So fucking chill out, alright? You are a big mark. Alright, um... Here's the problem. I I love, love, love when people give Sullivan props for being a booking genius. He came up with this entire fucking gimmick. Between the Hogan mustache shaving, between the giant, between the yeti... All this shit. It's all Sullivan. And what I want you to do, I know you're supposed to watch the giant when he's talking. All right. I know you're supposed to watch Gene when he's talking. I know you're supposed to watch Zodiac when he's in the when he's in the fucking scene going around or whatever the fuck he's doing this week. But I want you instead, instead of watching where you're supposed to watch like the magicians want you to do, I want you to watch Kevin Sullivan's face because he looks... He looks like a father who is the coach of a kid's baseball team where his kid's been really suffering all season. And he's just watching it really closely like... God, don't fuck this up. We fed you the lines and we went through these lines all day like 78 times today. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. But guess what invariably happens? After Sullivan runs his mouth for a while, then Giant gets to run his mouth for a while, which means that then Sullivan has to run his mouth again to explain what the fuck the Giant just said. Why? Because according to Sullivan, it's not going over. It's not going over because it's a garbage, garbage fucking gimmick. It has nothing to do with Giant's delivery shit, man. I think this was the year. Is this the year the Giant actually gets Yeah, this is the year. The Giant gets Amateur of the Year. Like this is his inaugural year in wrestling and he wins that and he also wins Wrestler of the Year in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So, it's not him. It's you. Jesus, I can't wait for this fucking pay-per-view to be done because here we go talking about the fucking monster truck bullshit with Bischoff after this is done and explaining all the things that Kevin Sullivan didn't explain and, oh God, and the man turns into the machine and the machine turns back into the man and they're going to do a fucking tug-of-war with fucking monster trucks on the top of a built... Jesus Christ. I can't wait for this pay-per-view to be over. All right, after this is a WCW a Saturday Night promo during the commercial break. Afterwards, Disco Fever, otherwise known as Eric's neighbor Glenn, comes out to dance and Bischoff claims that he makes him cough up his toenails. What? What in the fuck does that even mean? How do I just I don't Can he produce a beer cuz he can't produce a website? So uh-huh. <laughs> Meng defeats uh Ming. Is it Ming? Mang? What the fuck ever? It's spelt Meng. Anyways, defeats Jim Duggan in 151. Zero, point 0.0. Two former WWF mid-carters do battle as old fatties. Strap in, this is gonna be a great two minutes. magno sells set setup for the shoulder tackle finisher and then gives him a thumb to the chin. Move for the win or the side of the neck, what the fuck ever, because it changes every week. Which the ring announcer puts over before the ref even motions for the bell. Hogan puts over being in a dark place with the minioids, per Sullivan's garbage booking, of course. Keep in mind, Hogan had creative control at this time. So remember, this is what Hogan without Vince McMahon's input looks like more sideways shots at WWE and Vince specifically, but again, we're not at war yet. Then again, putting over this Monster truck shenanigans. At least Hogan did the right thing, though. He did lose the mustache for a movie he was shooting at the time, Secret Agent Club. Go ahead and watch that one. Instead of shaving it off and not explaining it like they do today, they actually came up with this whole gimmick to explain it away. Afterwards, Pillman and Anderson come out for their match, and we go to commercial break where we get a Halloween Havoc promo. Even though Hogan just did a pre-tape promo for it. Rick Flair and Sting defeat Arne Anderson and Brian Pillman in 7:04. I gave that one two and a half out of five. The match starts with just Flair versus the Horseman. The announcer is selling Sting's lack of president's presence. Jesus, because he wasn't there, he couldn't trust Flair. And at the top of the show, of course, we saw him threaten to kill Flair if he swerves him. So this was a sold gimmick, at least from a week ago all the way to here. Which, despite being a little bit camp, even for wrestling. It went over and the fans were chanting for Sting. The ref here was overselling the shit out of everything. He took a bump when Flair was chopping Pillman 30 seconds into the match. Refs don't take bumps when other people are getting hit. Just for those of you that want to get into wrestling refereeing, just so you know. And if you really want to get into wrestling refereeing, by the way, go back and watch this match. And this is what you don't do. Flair blocked a drop knee from Anderson, but then botched getting into the figure four. I mean, at this point, he's only been doing it for a quarter century, but whatever. Bellman kicks Flair in the back of the head into a spine buster from Anderson. Really, the only two moves the horsemen have strung together, but it was enough for Sting to run down to ringside and get a pop. They really should have waited until Flair was actually struggling to kick out or escape. The pop would have been bigger. They needed the crowd to start cheering for Flair before Sting gets that over-the-top pop, but whatever. Running short on time, I suppose. Pillman keeps giving Flair a high back body drop right out of the corner, forcing Flair to roll away from his corner like he's lost after making eye contact with Sting twice. It would have worked had Pillman actually just done that closer to Anderson where maybe even if Flair got up, he could have got punched in the head. Horsemen get counted out while the referee is counting even one pretty impressive feat of magic right there. After the commercial break, we get back to a post-match promo with Gene hosting a Sting Flare love fest and a high-five party. Overall post-match, it did what it was supposed to do and got a great response from the crowd. Bischoff then says they're going to hook up. Oh, Jesus Christ. And we're done with the show for the week. Jesus. Death, death, Alright, listen kids. Next week is the go-home, so strap in. Here we go. Well, that was an abortion of a show. Should the mood take you, check out markoutradio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voice